Welcome to People's Church Podcast. This week, we continue our series, What Are You Building With Your Life? with a message entitled, War Footing, with Pastor Nelson Jones. Have you noticed they're making a lot of movies now about uh, hero women, like kind of those uh, adventure, and now they can do all kinds. They're like the new Spider-Mans, and like they're the new... Like they're really turning you women into like amazing uh, superheroes kind of a thing. I began to reflect a little bit for this message as I was reflecting into my own line. And I, I think that you are. You really, you wonder where I'm going, don't you? Yeah. Uh, warrior women, warrior women. I began to reflect in my life about some of the women that God has placed around me in my life um, and how God has really planted warriors amongst us. I come from a, fam- a family of nine kids and, of course, two parents. And uh, mom was an incredible warrior. I mean, she was a warrior. She was a fighter. Dad, he was a businessman, and yeah, he had his way of fighting, but it was kind of fighting for that covering and making sure that the family had the structures and it's things that they needed. Mom was focused on you in a warrior-like way. Don't you touch my kids, you know? Uh, How many women kind of recognize that? Don't touch my family. Okay, you're a warrior woman. You got it. That's what you are. Now, why am I starting with this? Because as I began to reflect about this, like our family was like seven boys and two girls. Those two girls, you, you think it's the boys that have all of the, you know, warlike kind of thing. Nothing compared to my two sisters and my mom. Nothing compared to them. They are fighters unbelievable. They they've right now, my niece, Melissa, is fighting for her life, actually. That's my sister Shirley's daughter. And she's about I don't know, I better not guess, but she's well grown woman with uh, a child and um is going through where the right side of the heart is not doing what they, it needs to and they need to do a certain surgery and they can't do it. So we're just got it all in prayer right now. But my sister Shirley has fought for her from day one. She was only a day or two old when they recognized that Melissa, that's her name, Melissa had a esophagus that wasn't attached to the stomach. And so they had to do surgery on her right from day one. And all through her life, she's had these kind of battles where she's had to be a fighter and Shirley's had to be that kind of fighter in there. You know, there's always battles. And as I talk about this message today, I want you to think in terms of a couple of key battles in your life, either present or past. Key battles. Because God has raised you up to be a warrior. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you are on war footing all of the time. Not some of the time. Not just when a struggle comes. You're constantly on war fitting, footing. You know what that means? It means you got to be ready all the time. Because you don't know what's going to come at you today. And you don't know what God has asked you to do or be or achieve in the next little while. You don't know the steps immediately ahead of you. And you've got to be ready. You're gonna, there's nothing in your life, in fact, that you will build of any value. Whether it be a business, whether it be a home or a family, whether it be a career, whether it be anything worth building in life. 
You'll never build it without war. You got to learn and you got to get settled in this. See, sometimes I think Christians are really spending their whole life trying to create peaceful circumstances rather than having peace in the middle of circumstances. And there's a huge difference in that. One is, I want everything to just be peaceful around me. Do you know that that will never happen for you? Oh, is that bad news? That's not good news, is it? Like, you're not, you can't go and say, we're going to have nothing but peaceful circumstances. We're never going to have, you know, this kind of struggle again. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. One of, one of the hardest things to do is to go through life in war and not treat it like you are. You're in a war, it's constant, it will be there. Let's just start reading some of the scriptures that we've got in our message today. And we're gonna start with this in 2 Timothy 4, 7. Paul says this at the end of his life. He's coming to the last final chapter of life. And he says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. That's where you want to be when you're coming to your final chapter. You want to know that you have fought well. He really puts it down as saying, here is the essence of life. It's a fight. If you don't know it's a fight, you might be fighting right now to overcome disappointment, discouragement, some health issue, uh, some kind of other trauma that's come into your life. You are trying to overcome some circumstances that are up against you right now. You are in a constant fight. He says, this is the essence of life. So you're either going to be a fighter or you're going to try and find some little cubicle to build a little extra sturdy wall around you and hopefully keep everything else out and it won't work. He says, I fought it. I got in there. I went in the ring. I got after it. And then I finished the race. I have kept the faith. In 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5, we find it again. Now, I wanted, guys... um, Yeah, this one will work, but I also want a Galatians. Oh, I have that one uh, in there too. Did you get the Galatians one up there? No Galatians one up there? Okay, no problem. Let's go with this one. Let's go with 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. Although we live in the world, we don't fight our battles uh, with human methods. So you know that those war shows with you turning you into women warriors, but it's sort of like, just sort of like men warriors, like where you're just, you can do anything, beat anybody. You might take a punch or two, but you always end up uh, winning. You've got the superhuman abilities to be able to overcome everything and anything and nothing can overcome you and you are the, he's saying we don't fight that way. He's saying that is not actually how this happens. We don't fight our battles with human methods. Our weapons that we fight with aren't human, but instead they are powered by God for the destruction of fortresses. You're going to be up against fortresses. If you're a mom today, you're going to be up against fortresses in your children. You're going to be up against things that, this like trying to break down walls around them. They destroy arguments, it says, these types of weapons. And every defense that is raised up to oppose, they absolutely destroy, uh, the, uh, to oppose the knowledge of God. They capture every thought to make it obedient to Christ. It's saying like, you're at war. And you don't fight with the same weapons that you 
normally do. Now, how does the world fight for their families? Well, oftentimes, uh, things like guilt and shame are used to try to motivate or the idea of disconnected because this person is not performing very well, so no acceptance, uh, no kind of approval. And so we use, the world uses weapons that are negative to try to motivate or control or manipulate the situation. He's saying, we're not here to manipulate you. These weapons, we're not here to manipulate. We're not even here to motivate, to be honest, that way. What we are here is just to fight the very things that are keeping people from the Lord. We are here to tear down the things that actually just don't work and that destroy. There are things that are gonna come into your life to try to destroy your life. Whatever window they choose, whatever doorway they come through, you gotta fight. That's basically the message. You have no other option. You got to fight. And if you're going to fight, then you better learn how to fight really, really well. So there's one thing I've noticed that really with us as Christians gets us out of the game. It turns us a little bit cowardly. It turns us into lacking confidence, not really having that kind of confident, go for it, take it on kind of a method. Rather, we withdraw. And it's something that happens over life. And it, you, either get, you either get out of this or you stay in it and it's gonna control your life. So what destroys your confident faith? Well, we're gonna talk about regrets. Because if you're gonna fight with weapons from God, you gotta use faith. And what is it that's gonna really take you out of the game and using those? Regrets. What are regrets? Well, regrets are something where they're gonna come in one of two packages. Regrets are either gonna come in the package that I can't believe I failed, uh, that are based on pride, because I, I expected so much more of myself. I expected that I would never, ever do that. I expected that, that I would never make that kind of decision or bring that kind of hurt or that kind of pain or do that kind of deed. It's kind of like Peter felt immediately after denying the Lord three times. So he, you know, he goes out, he's broken down, he cries and he goes through all of that brokenness and pain. And, and what's going on is Peter is, is at a crucial moment in his history where he's gonna, for the rest of his life, either live with that regret in a negative way that says, I blew it, I failed, it's, it's terrible, I, I got only a little, you know, few things to do in the future, that's it. I can't do anything big anymore. I can't be a part of the big picture. I'm, I'm out of the game. And his confidence could have been absolutely destroyed. But you see, that was a regret based on pride. A pride that's saying, I should not do that. I shouldn't have done that. Not recognizing really how weak we really are and how much we really need God. Now, here's what we usually do with regrets. We usually bury them. We just bury them. We just don't, when they come, we just push them down further if we can. Just push them further from our, our memory, our recall. We just try and layer them with other things. Pile stuff on top. Do whatever you can, but get it deeper so it doesn't come up as often or as fresh or as hard-hitting. Burying them is a very common practice, but the problem is it doesn't work they are going to dig themselves to the surface. And they're going to come up more often than ever. And by burying them, you've actually given them a power that you have no strategy for. Because you've just buried them and you have not developed anything that's going to deal with that. 
other than bearing it. So they have power, and when they come, the dirt didn't work. So now it's just you and them full blown. Another thing we do is we blame others. We say, well, if I had had better parents, if I'd had better kids, (laughs) if I had a better spouse, if I had a better advantage in life, you're blaming. And by blaming what you're doing with regrets is that you are saying, I am depowering myself and saying, I am absolutely still controlled by everybody else's actions and inconsistencies and inadequacies. You blame others. Blaming others is kind of the the dumbest thing to do. Because in blaming others, you're actually taking out of your life any kind of ownership that will create power or a response to a needed power in your life that comes from ownership and humility. Another thing we do is we just beat up on ourselves. We just turn ourselves into a constant state of penance. And I mean penance in the one that doesn't work, where you are gonna make payment for your own sins. And then here's how we treat God. You know, we think then that everything we go through then, in, in, when we either are going to bury or we're gonna blame or beat ourselves up, is that now everything that happens to us is, well, that's just God getting even. I deserve that. Things go wrong or you jump against a health issue. It's because God's just not happy with me. You're missing something really beautiful about your faith. Your life can become a one long constant penance paying for your own sins. Or it could be something that you decide is going to be something that's going to be God-honoring, strong, and it's going to be filled with all kinds of great fights and all kinds of great wins. In Psalm 38, 4 to 8, it says this, my wrongdoings are stacked higher than my head. Whoa, that's quite a statement, isn't it? He's, He's basically saying, like Paul is saying, I am the chief of sinners. I mean, the things I've done wrong, It's way over my head. It's just stacked higher than my head. They are a weight that's way too heavy for me. Life feeling like that? Do Do you feel like that in the middle of fights? Because that's really the voice of the enemy and that's the situation he wants to create. Is he wants you you to be created into some kind of permanent victim. One that doesn't fight well. One that has lost their confidence. My wounds reek. They are all infected because of my stupidity. All of this focus is totally on themselves. This only takes power out of your life. Grace doesn't do that. That is not Christ. I am hunched over, completely down. I wander around all day long sad. How many want to live this life? My insides are burning up. There's nothing in my body that isn't broken. I'm worn out, completely crushed. 
I groan because of my miserable heart. He's talking about, he's saying, I'm weak. I'm defeated. It's over for me. I mean, all I do, I'm sad in life. I, I, I'm just in this bad state and I got all this weight on my life. I could never ever win at anything because I've already lost so big. That's where a lot of people are at. You can be a Christian for many years and be living like this. You can be in a place where you have defeated yourself before you ever even step into the ring for a fight. This is why you're not bold in fights. This takes our boldness out of fights. We step in so hesitantly because we're trying to make sure that we got a win here and that we don't fail again. We don't want that happening again, you see. Rather than accept that our forward movement is based on God's grace and not on any kind of perfect example of Christian life. I love that part at the end where he says, I groan because of my miserable heart. He's looking at his own heart and he's defining himself. I'm just miserable. Like my heart, my inside, my guts, they're just miserable. How many here know what that feels like? Don't raise your hand. When you start feeling that way, you are being attacked. You are in a different kind of fight. You are in a fight that says, hey, this is not about just some human giving me a hard time. This is a spiritual fight. Did we come up with Galatians chapter six yet? The one that I sent? Do we have that one at all? We don't have that one at all? If you have it, throw it up. I mean, on the screen. Do you have that? Just nod yes or no for me. No? Okay, thank you. All right, here's where I'm gonna go with this then. I'm gonna quote some of it for you. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places. That's what's happening when you are finding your guts as a Christian absolutely wrenching from the miserableness of your own inside and you are lacking boldness from going into fights, you would rather seek out peaceful circumstances than learn to find peace in the middle of circumstances and go to war with confidence. There are things in your life right now you know that you should be fighting for. You should be in the ring all the way, but you've pulled back from the ring. You would rather not go into that ring and fight for that kid or fight for that marriage or fight for whatever in your life. You're not willing to go in there. You, you, you want to hold back and measure out the chances of success and I want to say to you today, that is a losing strategy and you will not win at this. You must get rid of this condition that Psalm 38 talks about. Otherwise, you're never going to have the strength and the boldness to get into the ring. So how do we do that? Well, we should, number one, admit the regrets, admit them. Just bring them out, out, of, out of the dirt. Get it? Don't bury them. Don't beat yourself up on them. Don't blame others. Right now, let's just put them front and center. And in Psalm 51.3, David, who was a great sinner, said, because I know my wrongdoings, my sin is always right in front of me. He wouldn't ignore it. It's not about trying to forget regrets. It's not about, oh, regrets, just throw another shovel full of something on it. 
or maybe take another glass. No, not at all. It's always gonna be right in front of you. Put it there, put it front and center. Because when you put it front and center, you can begin to work through what needs to really be done to take regrets and turn them into a positive lesson in life rather than an anchor and a destruction in your life. Psalm 32.5 says, so I admitted my sin to you. I didn't conceal my guilt. He's saying I didn't bury it. I'll confess my sins to the Lord is what I said. Then you remove the guilt of my sin. Very important to admit where there's regrets. You know, when you've got a history, you look back on some things in your life, I ask you to remember some battles you've been in, and especially ones that you've lost. And you know you didn't put in, you know, right there, or you got beat up, or you're like a Peter, you know? You've just gone through something where you did not think you'd ever do those kinds of things. And yet you look in your history, and you've got a list of things you never thought you would ever do. That list has to be dealt with, but it's dealt with not by burying it. It certainly doesn't work. It's not by beating yourself up or blaming others. That list starts with admitting that they are there. Now you can have a transformation happen to them. Regrets, you're always gonna have a memory. There are things in my life, I'm gonna always look back on it and and have a regret that that transpired or took place. That regret is the kind of regret that's not attached to pride in that sense, but it's because of, oh Lord, the pain. Lord, the loss that I took at that season or why, Lord, I, 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 I did that. I just want to use that, Lord, in my life to learn how to be stronger today. Teach me, oh God. Help me, oh God. Don't be afraid of regrets. Transform them into some of the best lessons that you can have and pass on to your children. Another thing then, once you admit them, you've got to accept a forgiveness, God's forgiveness. Look at Romans 8.1. So now there isn't any, he's talking to Christians. So now there isn't any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're a Christian, you're in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus didn't just come into you. You went into Christ Jesus, and that's a whole new creation, and that means that everything is new about you. Say, it doesn't feel so new all the time. You gotta start working newness in your life. You wanna hang on to lists like this? You wanna, you wanna have those things control your life? You're gonna have a hard time uh, fighting in life and going forward and achieving what Paul did, where I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. Another thing that you need to do is forgive yourself. And you need to look to a future based on grace and not prideful performance. Here's what we tend to do. Why regrets get power is because they're attached to our pride. There's a reason why you don't want anybody else to know. If the good reason would be, I just don't want to cause pain. A bad reason would be, I'm just so ashamed. Did you catch the difference? There's a good reason at times. You just, I'm not, I don't want to cause the pain. But then there is that, no, I just, I feel so ashamed that I just can't. Shame is that which is absolutely going to take you out of the ring where the biggest fights are coming in your life. 
Instead of focusing on fighting for the kid or the family or whatever it might be that you need to fight for, you are, you are looking at yourself as, I just am not qualified. I've got this history. I, I, I'm just going to fail again. So I'm going to try and find some peaceful circumstances and I'm not going to search out peace in the middle of circumstances. You have a problem with forgiveness, accepting it, and you have a problem with forgiving yourself. When we say forgive yourself, we don't mean that you're the ultimate forgiver. You can only forgive yourself based on God's forgiveness of you. Forgiving yourself without God's forgiveness is the most useless exercise possible. Accepting God's forgiveness sets you up where you can now give grace to yourself. You can now forgive yourself. And now you can look to a future It's based on grace. Now, when I look at my future, imagine if I took my regret list and I have all of these things and they are empowered by pride. I can't believe I, oh boy, I never thought I would. And then I just got shame all around it. Just imagine trying to go forward with that into a future. You can't, not strongly. You're a ring avoider. You don't want to put on the gloves. You don't want to take off the gloves. You don't want to get in the ring. You need to. Life requires it from you. If you're going to be a servant of Almighty God, you need to be in the ring fighting. And so you must forgive yourself, but now you look to a future based on grace. God has given me grace. I can forgive myself. Yes, I, have, I blew it as a mom, as a dad, as a husband, as a wife. I blew it as a friend. I blew it as, I mean, wherever. It, it, every one of us have that same list. Don't you understand? Everybody's got it. But some go into a future with grace as its base. So I got a future, only because of grace, but I got a future. But some have a hard time going into the future simply because they got the wrong base. It's shame, and if you have that, it, it's your pride. Shame and pride run together. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Okay, I'm gonna look up that one. Uh, here we go. Thank you. All right. Forget what happened long ago. Just park it right there. Is that good advice? Paul says, I leave behind the good stuff and the bad stuff. He's just saying, I don't, I don't, I don't live my life looking back, whether it's good or bad. I'm looking forward. Forget what happened long ago. Don't think about the past. Oh boy. Every time you come up against a new fight, the enemy's gonna bring up the old losses. And he's gonna say, don't go into this. This is just gonna cause you pain. You're not, you're gonna fail. Or, 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 or this is something you just wanna avoid now. Uh, don't take it on. Forget what happened long ago. Can you do that today? Because you can't unless there is grace. I am creating something new, he says. There it is. Do you see it? That's a good question. Forget the past. I am creating something new. Do you see it? 
Because if you don't see it, it's because you're avoiding the fights to get there. I have put roads in deserts, streams in thirsty lands. He's saying, I've created the opposite of the environment that you're in. It's all there. I could put a road in the desert. I could put streams in parched and thirsty land. I can do that. I do that kind of thing. But for me to do this, you got to forget the past. You can't go there. How do you forget in that regards? He's saying, don't attach shame and pride to those things. Instead, let them be cleansed through admitting them, accepting forgiveness, then moving in to forgive yourself, base your future on grace. And then what God will do is he will clean your conscience. Your conscience can continue to work against you long after God has forgiven you. You know, there's going to be times you're going to, you're, how many times do you go and ask God for forgiveness for the very same sin? Oh, Lord, you know, 35 years ago, I, God, forgive me. And God says, what sin was that? You see, he's given you the advice to forget the past because that's what he's done with your past. Forget it. Get moving in confidence. Start getting firm footing in the desert. Start moving into land that's got some moisture where it used to be dry. It says basically this, that he's saying, hey, I want you to leave this behind. I want you to have a clean conscience. Come now and let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. If they are as red as crimson, they will become like wool. Wow. Wow. He's basically telling you, and we sang the song today, the blood applied. He's saying the blood of Christ sets up a future based totally on grace. I know you're going to fail. That's why it takes the blood of Christ. I know you're not going to win every fight you go into. I just want you to please be a fighter. Be on a war footing. Jeremiah 31, 34 says, for I will forgive their wrongdoing and never again remember their sins. What? You think, well, what he's saying here? I'm gonna forgive your wrongdoing and I'll never again remember their sins. How many sins right now from the past, even though you've gone to God and you've admitted, you've confessed and you repented, turned from those things and, and how many sins from the past right now are, have a voice into your life and are controlling the fights that you go into and determining whether you'll even be a fighter or not? He's saying, I will forgive their wrongdoing and never again remember their sins. You need a little bit of a shock this morning. You need to let go of that stuff. If you're not letting go of it, please, you're missing the whole core of what your Christian faith is all about. Your Christian faith is not a new, improved you. You have to be a brand new creation. And that's grace that does that. And as a new creation, you are able to fight. How many parents here are, have been so lack confidence now and they, they, they can think back to their parents and think, oh my, did I ever get that wrong? Oh boy, missed that, ooh, did that wrong. And it's hurting them today. 
It's destroying the relationship continue even with adult children because you have this sense of uncleanness about you and you don't need to. Once Christ's blood is applied, you will become white like wool or white like snow. God says, I do that. Finally, change your character. God does this. Christ does it. 2 Corinthians 5.17, so then if anyone is in Christ, that person is part of the new creation. The old things have gone away. Look, new things have arrived. We got it in the Old Testament. We got it in the New Testament. The old is gone. The new is here. Can you see it? Do you see it? Or do you only see your failings? Who is it that would gain by you living a life into your future where you are constantly facing your own failings over and over and over again? Whose interest is best served, God's or Satan's? Let it go. It's done. Get the grace of God functional. May it not just be words or a song in your life. It's got to be a strength that puts you on a footing to fight and say, I'm qualified to be in this fight because of the grace of God. I'm not qualified because of my perfect life. I'm qualified because of what God has done in my life. And if you do that, you're now on war footing. Let me read a few scriptures to wind this up. But the one who is greatest among you will be your servant. Let me talk about being a servant. You can't even be a servant of God until you are going to let go of the things where you have failed in the history. Because those things are, will have control of your life and you will serve their interests. And that is often to protect yourself from any further fights and failings. And he's saying, don't protect yourself from fights and and the failings that may come in your life. I want you to be a fighter. I need servants. I need people that are willing to take on the fights. It says the greatest among you will be your servant. God has called us to be servants of his. This is not just the idea of serving, uh, you know, washing feet and doing those things. He's also given you talents and gifts that you can take and distribute and develop and put your whole heart into becoming something great that God can use and bless and he wants to do that in your life but he, Satan's not into your development he is going to bring up that list that you keep powered through pride and shame and you bury it and you, you blame and you beat and instead of just admitting and then moving on and getting clean all the way through to your conscience and reaching into a, a great future in development, taking the best of what you can learn and then make the steps more sure and strong and improve what God can do in and through your life. Hebrews 10, 32 to 39. Listen to this as I read this to you. But remember the earlier days after you saw the light, meaning Jesus? You stood your ground while you were suffering from an enormous amount of pressure. Sometimes you were exposed to insults and abuse in public. Other times you became partners with those who were treated that way. You even showed sympathy toward people in prison and accepted the confiscation of your possessions with joy since you knew that you had better and lasting possessions. 
So don't throw away your confidence. It brings a great reward. You need to endure so that you can receive the promises after you do God's will. You can't do God's will. Be his servant. That list of regrets will not serve God. They have a false sense of spirituality about them of feeling bad and guilty and shameful. And he wants you to be sure about his grace. He wants you to have your foot firmly planted. He wants you, no matter what history, to take on the present with a fight. And he wants you to be somebody that is developing what God has given you so that he can bless it and use it in this world. But it will be a fight, a constant war, a constant fight. In a little while longer, the one who is coming will come and won't delay, meaning Jesus. But my righteous one will live by faith. But my, and my whole being won't be pleased with anyone who shrinks back. He's talking to Christians. Don't shrink back. Don't shrink back from that fight. You got some fights in your family. You got some fights in your money. You got some fights in, in, in your health. You've got some fights in your business. You got some fights just in some of the, the, the challenges of your normal living every day right now. Don't shrink back. Because he says, but we aren't the sort of people who timidly draw back and end up being destroyed. We are the sort of people who have faith so that our whole beings are preserved. Don't shrink back. That's what that list will do to you. And that's what regrets attached to our kind of pride and shame will do to us. I want to tell you a little story to finish this off. This is a story going all the way back to 1919. It was on New Year's Day, and if you're any kind of football fan, you know that New Year's Day brings a whole lot of football. But the biggest game and oldest game is the game that we call the Rose Bowl. I tend to try to watch the Rose Bowl if I can. And in 1919, Georgia Tech was playing the University of California. Shortly before halftime, a man named Roy Regals. He recovered a fumble for California. And somehow he gets confused on the field. And this is, this is true. And he starts running the wrong direction. And he runs for 65 yards the wrong direction. A teammate tackled him just before he would have scored for the opposing team. Then when California attempted to punt, Tech, Georgia Tech blocked the kick and scored a safety. Halftime whistle. The team heads off the field, went into the dressing room. As they sat on the bench, and Regals put a blanket around his shoulders, sat down in the corner, put his face in his hands, and he cried like a baby. You've been there. Coach Nibs Price, he was silent. No doubt he's just trying to decide what to do with Regals. Everybody just sat there. When the timekeeper announced three minutes till the end of the half, the playing coach, or the playing time, Coach Price looked at the team and simply said, men, the same team that played the first half will start the second. The players got up and started out, all but Regals. He didn't budge. 
The coach looked back and called him again, but still he didn't move. Coach Price went over to Regals and said, Roy, didn't you hear me? The same team starts the second half. Regals looked up and with tears in his eyes, he said, Coach, I can't do it. I can't do it. I've ruined you. I've ruined the University of California. I've ruined myself. I couldn't face that crowd in the stadium. My life depended on it. Coach Price reached out, put his hand on Regal's shoulder, and he said, Roy, get up. Go on back. The game is only half over. Roy Regals went back, and everybody who saw it said he played the greatest game in his entire life in that second half. The fact is, we take the ball a lot of times, folks, and we run the wrong direction. And we stumble and fall and we embarrass ourselves and we make mistakes like Peter and so many others. And we're so ashamed that we just think, I don't even want to try anymore. I don't want to get up. I don't want to try again. And God comes to us and he puts his arm around us. He says, get up. Go on back. The game's only half over. Don't take yourself out of the fight. Too much at stake. If you're a Christian, you're a warrior. The only question is, are you a good one? Are you even in the fight? Get in it. Get in it. Because God loves you. And he will forgive you. And you have a fresh start in him every, every moment of your life. Your best life is always based on God's grace. Make it that, not your failures. Watch this little video clip and then we'll have prayer together. Love. 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 Love in this world is pretty messed up. It asks for a lot and it never returns the favor. Love in my world? Well, it brings more trouble than it's worth. In my world, love has felt like sabotage. It flees into the night. It, it, it leaves at the first sign of trouble. And it never feels like I love you no matter what. Because love in my world, it leaves. And when it leaves, there's only disaster left. Oh, promise is a lot, but it doesn't deliver much. It breaks hearts. I've picked up the pieces of my broken heart one too many times. So I build walls. Love isn't worth the tears. The pain, the loneliness. The surrender. It's exhausting. Even when you try to do love right, love fails. I have made a mess out of love. What good is it? You can't help me. Why love at all? Why do I even try to love? Why sacrifice to carry the burden? Why? 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 
Why? Because there is a perfect love. Perfect love that can end the disaster. A perfect love that can heal the brokenhearted. There is a love that saved those who are dwelling in this messed up world. God tells us about it because we wouldn't recognize it if it showed up on our own doorstep. It's a love that takes its time. It's profound. It doesn't brag or badmouth. God's love is like a shield that we know will never leave us. That you can trust. Hoping. And you never, ever exhaust it. That's His kind of love. And it never fails. And while we were keeping records of wrongs and self-seeking and being unkind, He still died for us. How can I love like that? How can I love like that? How can I love like that? Because I am loved like that. I can love well, not because of me, but because he first loved me. Do you know how you know if you love? You fight. You say, oh, our marriage is really good then. It may be. Do you know how God loves you? He fought for you. The cross. And now he says, would you love? And will you fight? Will you fight for your spouse? Will you fight for your children? Will you fight for what is right? Will you fight? Because if you won't fight, don't say you love. If you love, you fight. You cannot help but fight if you love. That's why a parent will bear an ache for an entire life and still stay fighting for a kid. Because they love, but they fight. You're on war ground. Always will be if you're a believer. The Bible says, take up your cross daily and follow me. Jesus said that. What did he mean? He mean be a fighter. I fought for you. Now you fight. Love and fight. Let's stand together. Father, we are so grateful for your love. It cannot be measured. Lord, there is no way they can possibly be understood. We cannot comprehend it. We don't comprehend love. We comprehend shame. We comprehend, uh, Lord, uh, the idea of shrinking back. We comprehend fear. We comprehend failure. But we can't comprehend your love like that. We, 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 it's hard for us. But yet, God, it is absolutely the foundation that we need to live our lives off of. Lord, around this room, I know there's many hearts right now. And I want you to pay attention to this prayer and make it your prayer. I want you to respond to the Holy Spirit's nudges today that you have just held back from the fight. You are shrinking your love. You need to get back in the fight. But to do that, 
You need to take that list right now, just bring it out from underneath the dirt you shovel on top of it, the blame that you've surrounded it with, and that you gotta stop this beating up and living a life of penance and live a life of grace. A life that says, my future is solid because God loves me and has given me grace. I will forget the past. It will not control me. Make that a statement in your heart right now. No more. It's done. Jesus, you know my entire past. I've talked to you about it far too often. And it's kept me from the future. It's kept me from moving strongly into the fights that matter and living a life of love. So today, I want courage and bravery to return to my faith that says God his grace makes my future very very good God I want to get back in the fight there are things I've shrunk away from hidden from didn't engage with I'm done with it I will not shrink back anymore Make this a prayer, folks. Let your heart respond to it. And just say, God, right now, just between you and me here, Lord, I want you to know that I'm going to start getting in the rings of life. I'm going into that family ring. I am going into that business ring. I'm going into the the economic ring. I'm going into the health ring. I'm going to be a fighter. I'm going to have reawakened my prayer life, not some wimpy prayer life, but a strong prayer life with strong, bold faith. I am going to, Lord, take your word and where I know it is challenging me, I am going to do it. God, I'm going to get brave in love. I'm going to take the risks that love brings to me. The list, the, the list of, of what it can bring, Lord, is it can bring rejection from others. It can, they can push us back even when we bring love. And, but God, I'm still going to love. I'm not going to be like the world and turn it into, oh, well, cut them off. No, Lord, I'm going to love. So Father, awaken my heart. Put the fight back in me. The boldness, I will live the futures because you have forgiven me. I can now fully engage with today. So in Christ's name, I rededicate my life to being a true servant of God, to be somebody that God is using Because, Lord, I haven't got this list the enemy controls me with. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for freedom. Thank you for the blood that you shed. Thank you for setting me free. And all God's people said... Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.